take your scripture if you would. Find if you would Psalm 130 tonight. Psalm 130 is our text. Uh, We've been two weeks absent of the Songs of Degrees. Two weeks absent of our series, the Old Testament Playlist. Two weeks ago, we were on our knees praying and asking God to give us a wonderful revival, which I believe that He did and has. And then last week, we were in the final service of our revival time. And so, I'm excited to get back to this series that I hope and pray is being a blessing to you. I trust that it is becoming um, a part of you. I trust it's becoming precious to you, these uh, 15 psalms that... Uh, I have likened to a playlist. You have a physical song playlist. Some of you have multiple ones, ones that you, you play when you feel certain ways, when you travel certain places, do certain things. Everybody understands with all the digital media these days uh, what a playlist is and how it encourages you, inspires you, speaks to you, comforts you, moves you, secures you, lifts you, all of these things. I would submit to you that what that musical playlist does to you today, I trust that the Word of God will do to you in your spirit. There's 15 of these psalms. You break them down into five groups of three, and they have a repetition to them. The repetition of thought to them, you see in the words on red on the screen, trouble, trust, and triumph. And when you go all the way back to Psalm 120, all the way to Psalm 134, you break them down into five groups of three, the theme repeats trouble, trust, triumph. Songs of degrees, songs of ascents, uh, ascent as far as an upward motion. You have a scripture underneath the title, the um, the uh, reference title. You see the words, a song of degrees, and all of them. This is a collection of songs that were sung by the singers. Bible scholars and historians tell us that these were songs that normally would be sung on the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Uh, they weren't only sung during those times. They were sung during the moments of the Israeli folks and the people, but many times they were uh, sung as they were making this pilgrimage. And so they were written years before. Some were written by David. Some One was written by Solomon. We do not know who the other ten were written by. Some Bible scholars think Hezekiah uh, wrote them. Might be true, may not be true. But we understand that all of them were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, right? And so uh, they were sung within the different um, moments of life for the nation and uh, purposeful and repetitive as the nation knew what it was to be in trouble. The nation knew what it was to trust the Lord. And then in trusting the Lord, they found the Lord to be triumphant. And so many times they would have the song of triumphant. Ours tonight is the second of a grouping of five. It's the fourth grouping of five. And it concentrates on the, uh, the, the theme of trust. And so Psalm 130 is a psalm of trust. And I have entitled our message tonight, When You're in Deep Trouble. There's a difference between trouble and deep trouble. Anybody ever navigated the difference? You understand. You ever said to yourself, 
I'm I'm in deep trouble. I would submit to you that deep trouble is usually not something that finds us. It's something that we find ourselves. You'll need that thought as we go to verse number one, please. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, boy, you know you're in trouble when you start crying out, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee. And the people of God ought to say amen to that. That thou mayest be feared. Revered, reverenced, looked at in awe. I wait for the Lord. Oh, my soul doth wait. And in his word do I what class? Oh, my soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they. That watch for the morning. Boy, if you've ever had a long night and you're just waiting for that sun to come up, you know exactly what he's talking about. Verse number seven is a transition. He goes from I and me and mine and my to let Israel. Here's a corporate movement. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord... There is mercy. And with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. What a song. What a chapter. What a verse. The psalmist here is using his personal life to teach a public lesson. He's revisiting what he has done as an individual so that he can direct and help Israel corporately. The psalmist goes back to a time in his life and uses this particular situation of his life and revisits it, revisits it as a testimony to the Lord as an understanding of what he has done so that it could bless the nation. And I want to take his visit of his life tonight and draw some truths out of that. And I want to use his application to the nation as application to us this evening. And I hope the next time you're in deep trouble that you'll see how he got out and the way out of deep trouble. I want you to understand his situation, verses 1 to 3. Depths. Bible scholars help preachers all the time with helping us to understand something. And the best mental picture I can give you of out of the depths would be to picture Jonah in the whale. Picture Jonah in the whale and picture Jonah down at the depth and the bottom of that sea. Jonah himself said it felt like I went down to hell. 
That's how far down Jonah was. The psalmist said, I was in a position like Jonah in the belly of the whale. I was in a, in a position that I felt in the position of Sheol or hell. Deep, buried in the depths. Dark, lonely, no way out. The psalmist is honest. Boy, you sure love honest people that give you an honest understanding of where they are. Verse number 3, the psalmist lets us know that he's in these depths because he's there of a self-infliction. I said to you at the beginning of this, many times when I'm in deep trouble, it's not trouble that has found me, it's trouble that I have caused. Deep trouble is usually self-inflicted trouble. In the text, the self-infliction of of this trouble is his iniquities, verse number 3. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities. By the way, let me just say what you already know, but sometimes you just need to hear it out loud. Sin always brings trouble. Nobody ever gets away with sin in our life. An unbeliever may get away with it in this life, but they'll have to stand before God and give an account of their sin. And by the way, you do not want to stand before the Lord Jesus and give an account of your sin. That day will be a heinous day. A believer sometimes thinks that we can get away with our sin, but if we know the Lord, he will chasten us as a loving father chasteneth his son. He will correct us. He will convict us. The psalmist said, in my iniquity, it brought me to the depth of my soul. It put me in a position where I was buried like Jonah. I had no place to go, no more escape, no opportunity. And I was in a place where I had to reckon with myself and I had to reckon with the Lord. I have found... That deep trouble in my life that I have caused by the iniquity in my life usually brings me to a place where I'm forced to reckon my own responsibility and to reckon a place where I have to get right with the Lord. The psalmist shows us how that happened. Look, if you would, please, in verse number one. Out of the depths have I, what's that word, class? cry. I don't know if you've ever been so broken, so humiliated, so humble, so surrendered, so convicted that from a deep, deep place of trouble caused by the self-infliction of my iniquity, I reckoned myself to be wrong And I realize the only way out of this hellhole that I have created is I cried unto the Lord. I don't know about you, but some of the most awful moments of my life as I've been weeping in conviction and weeping in confession have also been some of the most awesome moments of my life to find the forgiveness of God. I cried. I didn't just cry out loud. Look at verse number one. I cried unto thee. Say those two words, please. 
oh Lord. If you look at verse number one, Lord. Verse number two, Lord. Verse number three, Lord, Lord. Verse number five, Lord. Verse number six, Lord. Verse number seven, Lord, Lord. Eight times, eight times the name of the Lord is used in this chapter. To cry unto the Lord. In order to do that, there must be a humility, a surrender, a brokenness. Notice very importantly what is used here to cry unto the Lord. Look at verse number 2. Lord, hear my, what class? Voice. Did you know that your voice is important in confession? Did you know that your voice is, is vital to the confession of you as a sinner to be saved, but it is also vital to the confession of you as a Christian in the, in, the, in the forgiveness of your individual sin. I think I will go as far as to say this. The Bible would support that it takes your voice of confession to find forgiveness with God. You can't just think it. The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, there's this vocal confession. You know, I have met people that have been so hardened in their heart towards some situation that they can't say with their mouth, I'm sorry. I've met men that have hated their wives so much they can't say, I love you. I've met wives that have been so bitter toward their husband they can't say, I'm sorry. It's, it's just something about the words coming out of of your mouth you know why that's true where in your body do your words come from they come from your heart out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh so if words can't come out your mouth that means words are not in your that's why sometimes we hold back our mouth because we know if it comes out our mouth, it has to come from our heart. So the psalmist is writing about a personal time in his situation where his iniquity has brought him to the depth, into the depths of despair. And from that depth, there was a brokenness, a humility, a surrender that brought about a vocal confession. This is his situation. The reason that you can trust God with your confession is because he's a forgiving God. Aren't you glad you don't have to go into a booth and confess to a man? Amen. You know, I've never, I've never done that. Many of you in the room have done that. I've never done that. Um, now, I've had to confess to my wife. It's felt like a booth in there. It's felt like some other things. But <laughs> There's only one man that can give forgiveness. That's the man God, Jesus. And the reason that the, the psalmist is revisiting his situation out of this humility and this brokenness that brings about this confession is because he has a surety that he understands. And the surety is found in verse number Four, but there is forgiveness 
with thee. Lord, in verse number 3, if you were to mark our iniquities, if you were to continue to record or take note and hold against us forever our iniquities, nobody would be able to stand that. But you're not a begrudging God. You are a forgiving God. And there is forgiveness with thee. Boy, that sure is a wonderful surety that the psalmist found in his situation. Watch what the forgiveness of God brought him to do. Verse number four, that thou mayest be feared, reverenced with awe, respected. When you're in deep, 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 deep trouble because of the iniquity or the sin of your own life, When there is a humility and a brokenness and a surrender that brings about a confession that comes from your heart out your voice, you can be sure that a true confession will be met with true forgiveness. I don't care how wicked a person you are, when you cry out to God for salvation, God will, based upon your honest confession of yourself as a sinner, he will save you in your entirety. And as a child of God, No matter what I have done that I said I would never do, things I did before I was saved, whatever that is, when that heart breaks and there is a true confession, God will forgive you of that individual sin. He does not need to restore your sonship. You're forever his child, but he will restore your fellowship. And that brings you to a position where there is a reverence toward God. You know, God God doesn't want you to do things for him based off of a negative fear. He, he wants you to respond to him the way a little child would respond to his dad with, my dad is bigger than your dad. My dad is better than your dad. My dad can do anything. None of my kids ever said that. I wish they'd say that. There's forgiveness with God that he might be feared. I don't know about you, but I love the Lord because he's a forgiving God. If you do say Amen. This situation and this surety brought about a settledness in the psalmist. The settledness is is found in the word wait, and it's found in the word hope in verses 5 and 6. He's still telling his personal testimony. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. Notice his soul. That's his suke. That's... That's his, that's his inner man. That's his emotion. That's his will. That's his personality. That's his mind. That's his thoughts. That's his dream. That's everything about you. That's who you are. You're not your body. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. This personal situation that he has found when he was in the depths because of his iniquity and he cried out in brokenness and humility and surrender, cried out with a voice of confession, sure that God would forgive him and God would restore that. And once God had met that need, then the psalmist said, it it settled me to a position of waiting for the Lord and hoping for the Lord. Now these are words that everybody wants to do, but sometimes it's hard to understand what they mean. 
So I have found that the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. So if I was to ask you, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? What does it mean to wait for the Lord? How do you process that? Go, if you would, to Psalm 119. Don't ever forget this passage of Scripture, 119. Look at verse 145. I think there's wonderful help here in this great psalm. We're going to visit it again in just a moment on hoping in thy word. The settledness of the psalmist says, I waited for the Lord. Psalm 119, 145. I cried. Boy, this word cried is a lot in the psalms. I cried with my, what's those two words, class? Whole heart. By the way, there's where true confession comes from. Comes with a whole heart. I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, save me. I'll keep thy testimonies. Verse 147. I prevented the dawning of the morning, or I rose up before the morning. I got up early. And I cried. I hoped in thy word. Now watch this. Mine eyes prevent or are awake through the night watches that I might, finish that verse please, meditate in thy word. What does it mean to wait for the Lord? It means to meditate on the word of God. It means to be in the word of God. My iniquity got me into the depth of my situation and my problem. Brokenness and humility and confession brought about a forgiveness. But if I'm going to stay out of the depth of that, then I'm going to stay in a position where I mediate and I, or I meditate and I'm in the word of God. I would submit to you When you're in deep trouble that is self-inflicted, it's evidenced you're not in the Word of God. And the believer who doesn't walk daily in the Word of God is a believer who will probably walk himself into deep, deep trouble. You can't say, I wait on the Lord and not meditate in the Word of God, hoping in the Word of God. What does it mean to hope in the Word of God? Go, if you would, please, to the same Psalm, 119. Look at verse 81. These are two wonderful passages I hope that you don't ever forget. I hoped in thy word. What does it mean to do that? Psalm 119, look at verse 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? The proud have dig pits for me, which are not after thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. Boy, there's a guy that's in despair. Verse 87, they had almost consumed me upon earth, but, finish that verse please, I forsook not thy precepts. To wait on the Lord is to meditate the word of God. It's to stand on the word of God. It's to think the word of God. It's to read the word of God. 
the evidence that you're hoping in the word is that you don't forsake the word of God when times get rough or tough. Most of the time, when people find themselves in deep, deep trouble that is self-inflicted because of their iniquity, that, that process, when they go back and revisit it, there came a time when either they first forsook the word of God, which meant that they didn't apply it, they didn't obey it, they didn't stand on it, they didn't trust it. And then after they moved to that, they moved to the position where they don't even meditate on it. They don't have it in their mind. They don't have it go through their eyes, into their mind, down into their heart. And therefore, we begin to move accordingly. Now, this is what the psalmist says. This was my situation. This was my surety. And this is how God got me settled. If you're still with me and awake and you're enjoying yourself, say amen. Okay, okay, that was, I'll keep going. That was good enough. Now the application. Let Israel, one man wants a nation to learn what he has learned. One man has taken on the responsibility of himself to be an example to the nation. One man is looking to a nation that is not hoping in the Lord, a nation that is in distress, that is in the depths of trouble. That is then there because of their own iniquity and the suggestion of this one man is to let Israel hope in the Lord. What does that mean? To not forsake the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. You ought to write Ephesians chapter 2. I love this passage of scripture. Every time I hear about it the Bible says God is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Jesus Christ. He is plenteous in redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquity. So here's what the psalmist, out of the situation and surety and settledness of his life, he wants to make a suggestion to Israel. Israel, don't turn away from the Lord. Let me take his suggestion and put it to you tonight. The end of the road, when we forsake the Lord and his word, is the pit of deep, deep trouble. The way that you do not do that is you learn how to wait for the Lord, walk in the spirit of God, and hope in the word of God. But maybe tonight you're in deep trouble. You're in deep trouble of self-infliction trouble because of choices you made. Choices the Bible would call sin and define as iniquity. And really and truthfully, you could say with the psalmist, I'm 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 in deep tonight. I'm in real deep, Pastor. My marriage is just about God. My kids are just about alcoholics I'm about to lose my job I'm about to lose my sanity it's all coming unglued I'm in deep okay I would say to you if you are a believer that that is a place a believer can get it's an ugly place it's a horrible place but it's a place that God allows us to get so that we can realize that we're there, we can reckon with ourselves. 
The only way out of that is a humility and a brokenness and a surrender and a confession of your sin. From your whole heart. I'll say amen to that. The hope of that is, and the surety of that is, is that when God hears your total confession and honest confession, you will receive his total and honest forgiveness. Pastor, I'm not sure ever that things could ever be the way they were. I'm in pretty deep. Let me tell you something. There's not a sin deep enough to touch the bottom of God's grace. You might feel unsettled now and good for that. And the devil might press that against God and use it against you to come, again, come back to the Lord. But there is a settledness that is available to those that wait and hope in the Lord. Here's what I would remind you. Don't ever forget that God is merciful. His mercies are new every day. He's more merciful than you could ever imagine. He's more merciful than you are. He's more merciful than your spouse. He's more merciful than your pastor. He's more merciful than Christianity. He's more merciful than some churches. He is the almighty, merciful God. His mercies do not end. He's plenteous in redemption. What does that mean? That means if you're here tonight and you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus, and you think, Pastor, if you knew who I was, I could never be a Christian. I've done things that are just too bad to be saved. Do you understand? There is not a man or a woman that has ever been born that has ever committed anything that God cannot forgive. He's he's plenteous in redemption. Christian, there's not anything that God can't deliver or redeem you from. Yeah, but I've done this so many times. He don't care. Well, Pastor, I I promised him I wouldn't do it. He knows you are a promise breaker. Pastor, I just, just, you know, I mean, he's got to be tired of me. No, he's plenteous in redemption. And the psalmist said, he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities, which means he's willing to redeem. He's willing to forgive. He's willing to be merciful. If you are the one who wants to stay in deep, deep trouble, that's your decision. There's a way out. His name is Jesus Christ. Okay. All of that was introduction. How many minutes do I have? I have three minutes. Go to Psalm 86 for just a moment. Sometimes I get, I get asked, Pastor, you preach things, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, but I, I kind of find a... I get home and I don't know how to put them into practice. I want to end tonight by just reading Psalm 86. Psalm 86 is a prayer that David penned, that he prayed to the Lord. Really and truthfully, if you have a study Bible, you'll see where the words are, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I, I want you to hear the brokenness of David. I want you to hear the humility and surrender of David. I want you to hear the confession of David. I want you to hear the trust in God's forgiveness. And I want you to find in this chapter practical walk with God. This ought to be something that you visit, not only when you're in deep, deep trouble, but when something comes between you and the Lord, some type of iniquity there. Let's read in verse number one. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, 
hear me, for I am, say those two words, please. If there's anything David wasn't physically, he was not poor. He was rich. David didn't need anything. He just snapped his fingers and people did what he wanted to do. They'd kill for him. They'd get him water. They would do anything, have any woman he wanted. If there's anything, he wasn't physically as poor and needy. But that's what humility does to you. It reckons you as poor and needy. Preserve my soul. For I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that, what are those words, class? Trusteth in thee. Boy, you see out of the depths. Be merciful unto me, O Lord. For I cry unto thee. There goes your argument of God's sick of me. Well, I did that yesterday and I did the same stupid thing today. Okay, well, you're human. Rejoice the soul of thy servant for unto thee, O Lord. O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good. And you are ready to forgive. I love those words. Plenteous. There's that word again. Plenteous in mercy. Unto all them that, what class? Call upon me. Now what do you use to call upon God with? Your voice. And what comes out your voice? Words. And where do words come from? Heart. So if words of confession don't come out your mouth, then words of confession are not in your heart. But when true, honest words of confession are in your heart, it's ready to forgive. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer. Attend to the voice of my supplication. In the day of my trouble, deep trouble, I will call upon me. Look at his surety. For thou wilt answer me. This is, this is a guy that didn't do everything right. Among the gods, small g, there's none like unto thee, O Lord. Neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee. This is speaking of a future time. And shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and dost wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Verse number 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Now here he goes. He knows what part of him has to be right. Unite my what? Heart. To fear thy name. Notice he's asking God to do a work in his heart. Sometimes that's a, that's a wonderful prayer of the believer. Pastor, I, I know what I'm doing is not right. I just don't know if I want to stop. Let me revisit that. This is, a good, this is a good Wednesday night lesson. You're getting your money's worth. We didn't even take an offering. I know what I'm doing is wrong. I just don't know if I want to stop. Even saved people get there. What do you do when you're doing something wrong You just don't know if you want to stop. You know you should stop. 
You know, God wants you to stop. But you don't know if you want to stop. My suggestion to you is you tell God this. I know this is a sin. I know I should stop. I can't stop. Not sure I want to stop. So I'm asking you to do a work in my heart that makes me want to stop. And sometimes you actually have to tell the Lord, Lord, make me want it differently. Do this work in me. You can make him all the promises in the world. That's not what he wants. Sometimes you have to go to God and say, God, I don't want to do this. But I, want, I know that I should and I know that I need to. So I'm asking you to make me want to do it. Do a work. Unite my heart. Join my heart. Single my heart. If you need that truth, you know you need that truth. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell out of the depths. God, the proud are risen against me. The assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul. I have not set thee before them, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion gracious, long-suffering, and here it is, say it out loud, plenteous in mercy and truth. Watch this. Oh, turn unto me. Have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant. Save the son of thine handmaid. Now, here's verse 17 where I want to stop. Show me a token for good. They which hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because thou, Lord, hast helped me and comforted me. I find in this chapter wonderful practical verses and truths and words that I think are sufficient for the child of God and the depths of despair that is self-inflicted because of the iniquity that cries with confession and surety of the forgiveness of God, learning to wait and hope on the Lord and his word to remember that the Lord is merciful He is plenteous in redemption, and he is willing to forgive. That's why they sang the songs after trouble of trusting in the Lord. Amen? Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the Wednesday night Bible crowd Is always the crowd that loves the word of God. Desires the word of God. And understands the power of the word of God. When we're in deep trouble... Usually deep trouble is self-inflicted trouble. Usually for the believer, the child of God, self-inflicted trouble is because of iniquity in my life. That's what the psalmist was saying. The psalmist was so grateful that you were merciful and forgiving God because if you marked iniquity, who would stand? 
But the psalmist also understood the need for humility, brokenness, confession with his voice from his heart. And you would forgive him. You would settle him to wait. That is to meditate and stay and trust the word of God. To hope in the word of God. Not to forsake the word of God. And to know wonderful victory. And what you had done in his life individually. He wanted to be done in the life of the nation. Lord what I see in the, in the life of the individual psalmist. I want to be done in our lives tonight. For the child of God who is in deep trouble. May they remember your merciful you're plenteous in redemption, which means you can deliver from anywhere and anything. And you have a desire to forgive. But it takes a whole heart. Lord, for the unbeliever that might be here tonight, they, they've never opened their heart to Jesus. They don't want to stand and give an account of their sin. They need to understand that Hell is a real place. It's a place where those that have denied the Lord will find their final abode. But you are a merciful, forgiving God. And you sent the Lord Jesus to pay for their sin. And if they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart the Lord Jesus, they could be saved. You're plenteous in mercy and redemption. And you have a desire to forgive. And they can know what it is to be settled in hope, and settled in eternity, and settled with a relationship with you. I pray tonight, God, if there's anyone out here within the sound of my voice like that, that right now, quietly in their pew, they're bowing their head and they're saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Save me. And I repent. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Take me to heaven when I die. And I ask you to do this based on the promise of the word of God. And they're open in their heart to Christ. Help us to walk in thy ways. Help us to know the wonderful blessing of the joyful God that you are. We love and thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for loving the word of God. I trust that you'll take Psalm 86, read it tonight, read it in the morning, find you a verse or a phrase in there that means something to you, one that fits your situation, memorize it, revisit it, underline it, keep it ever before you so that you can use it as you walk with the Lord. I think our song says more love to thee, right? It might be new to some, but you do the best job you can, Rod. We all love to hear you sing anyway. Stand if you would. Let's sing our song to go home. See you back Sunday. God bless you, you are dismissed.